0: Greatest figures in the history of the game have made that walk. We just watched another one do just that. Well, hello there, and welcome to the latest episode of the Open Commute in association with Callaway Golf. Michael McEwen here coming to you live, as I have been all week from St Andrews, the home of golf and the home of the 150th Open. As you listen, well, you'll know by now who's leading at the halfway stage, but as we record, We're not entirely sure who it's going to be, because let's face it, it goes on late into the night here at St Andrews, so we're not entirely certain who the 36-hole leader is going to be, but we have a fair idea, and we'll dissect some of the main talking points over the next 20, 25 minutes or so. As I've been doing all week, I've got a special guest joining me, making his bunkered podcast debut, (laughs) Golf Digest's. John can I say Golf Digest, I mean you write for everybody, John, don't you?
1: Well, no, not quite, but yeah, certainly <laughs> Golf Digest is my main employer. This week, this yeah. week, yes. Yeah.
0: So how has it been for you so far this week? 150th Open, obviously significant in a number of ways. Has it lived up to expectations? Uh, yeah, I
1: think the Golf's been terrific. I mean, the, the the course is always the star when you come to Opens at St Andrews. And the way it is, you know, hard and fast and running and some very interesting pin positions. (laughs) Um, It's actually been really entertaining, and I think we've got a pretty good leaderboard. I mean, St Andrews is renowned for producing good winners, and I think uh, we're halfway there, or almost halfway there, to yet another one.
0: Yes. so it is coming up for half past six here on Friday night, as we record, and Cam Smith, well, he's just finished up with an eight-under par round of 64, so he's 13-under, and as it stands, three shots clear of Cameron Young, He's done pretty well today, by all accounts. I don't know about you, but I was half expecting him to fall away somewhat. But these young American kids have yeah. no
1: fear. He's very good. I mean, uh, terrific technique, I think. And, uh, you know, we're, the great thing about this is, of course, that no Cameron has ever won a major. So we're, we've got pretty that pretty a pretty good yeah, oh, Not go. even one. No,
0: <laughs> Not even old
1: Cameron Morris No, young not. Cameron we're Morris. didn't have a Cameron Park or a Cameron
0: <laughs> Morris or any of those guys. So there could be a first happening here this weekend, who knows. It's been a an interesting week to say the least, John. The live stuff dominated in the early part of the week, as did talk of Tiger Woods and will he retire, won't he retire. Well, we now know, as much as you can ever know with Tiger Woods, that he's not saying farewell this week. What's your take on all the Tiger noise if you like, coming into the 150th?
1: Well, I, I think the the way Tiger's body is, the, the decision's not going to be his, unfortunately, in the end. That, that's maybe the saddest part of this whole thing, is that um, he's not going to get to play as long as he wants to play. Mm-hmm. Because he's never struck me as a kind of ceremonial type. Um, mm-hmm. He was always going to play on and on. And I don't know how you feel, but Matt, I think that the, the best golf we've ever seen has been played by Tiger Woods. His best golf is better than anybody else's best golf, even Jack Nicholas's, mm-hmm. despite the fact that Nicklaus has got three more majors. But that to me is the sad part is that, you know, he, he's going to finish
0: before he's ready to finish. Are you surprised by how he's played the past couple of days? I mean, as it stands, there's only, I think, six or seven players below him on the leaderboard. It, it's exactly
1: what I expected. His body's done, it seems like. I mean, it, it, you watch him walk, and it's pretty clear that he's he's not too comfortable. He was laboured this morning on the yeah. first tee, wasn't he? He looked really uncomfortable. Yeah, and he, and he hasn't played any golf, competitive golf. <laughs> I mean, what
0: do we expect? This is what we expect. This is exactly what I expected, even from him. Yeah, Even week. the great Tiger Woods can't show up after yeah. two months without yeah. playing competitive golf and put scores together. Yeah. It's a bit of a, a disappointment, I have to say, because I did feel that he could make the cut here. I'm not, I, I don't really think for a second I thought he could contend. There's too many good players exceptional players playing exceptional golf just now. Mm. Cam Smith is a good example of that. You know, if he ends this week as I think Sean Zach said in the pod yesterday if he Mm. ends this year, sorry, without having won a major, despite all the great results he's had and Mm. winning the players and winning in Hawaii, it's going to feel like a bit of a a oh, damp soil. Well, yeah, in some I, ways, th-
1: this comes with an admission. Um, a couple of years ago, I was heard to say that I didn't think Cam Smith was that good.
0: You are, joking. no, I was
1: not. I wasn't that impressed. And um, and wh- why weren't you? Yeah. I was completely wrong, <laughs> obviously. But um, no, I thought I just thought that his technique wasn't that good, and he and he's still prone to spraying it around a bit. But his short game is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, and this place is made for him in the sense that he can get away with the odd wayward drive but yeah. any short game's going to come into play and save him most of the time and that's exactly what's happened so far
0: he seems like he's having a, a putting year much like Jordan Spieth had in 2015 hmm. doesn't he he's, he just it looks like he's not going to miss every time he steps yeah, over. Yeah, and they
1: go in the middle. They oh. <laughs> do. You notice that? They don't. <laughs> yes. it, there's no wobbling about in in the edge or round the
0: back. Mm. Right in the middle every time. Yeah. Yeah. What Tiger Woods would give to be 13 under par right now, but mm. instead, I assume he's somewhere over the Atlantic. I can't imagine. He's well, sticking maybe not around. quite
1: yet, but he'll be getting there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the the scenes on 18. Let's go back to there when when Tiger came over there mid afternoon. Did you think there was any chance that he might? Pause on the bridge and give a little wave. I never thought he would do that because he wants to
1: leave the possibility that he might just come back. I mean, that's his mentality. Mm-hmm. He's never going to give up. He's never going to admit that he's beaten. True. Even when it, it, sadly, it looks like he is. You know, physically. Uh, and this, and this, again, the shame is that the 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 golf's still in him. <laughs> <is>. His swing <laughs> looks fine. He can still hit the ball, but he, but he can't physically do it. You know, you can't get get myself round the golf course. Mm. He obviously
0: got off to a, a shaky start yesterday as well. You know, it doesn't help when your opening shot of the championship finds a fairway divot. You know how I feel about those by now. Well, so so, uh, you know how I feel about them. Present yes. the alternative yes. case, if you yes. like, John. Why mm. Why should you be punished for somebody else's laziness?
1: Well, I, I don't get the, the, your argument. I mean, you know, your argument only makes sense if you're going to Throw your ball back into the trees if you get a good bounce off a tree back into the fairway. You know, but I mean, the trees
0: meant to be there. The nah, divot's not.
1: No nah, Well, the divot is there. It's it's. But it's,
0: that's the point. It's not listen, meant
1: to be. Go with reality, man. Instead of this mythical <laughs> perfection. I mean, the that's one of the things that hacks me off about golf courses. These the, the agronomists and the greenkeepers, they're too good at what they do. I mean, yeah. they're fantastic. You know, great admiration for them. But I think the game. It's certainly at the top level, when the courses are manicured to the nth degree, the game's losing a bit of its randomness. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we can safely assume that these top players can play away quite happily from nice lies and hit nice shots. I'm more interested in seeing them, you know, when the ball maybe is in a wee divot. Maybe it's on a wee downhill lie. Maybe, you know, they've got to think about it and...
0: A bit of feel and a bit of artistry comes into it. This this game's never meant to be a science. And it's not meant to be fair either. I know that, no. I know you're yeah. a firm so. believer in that. Yeah. And look, I'm, I'm being a little bit of a, a rogue by yeah. suggesting that. Let's face it, if anyone's going to be able to hit a ball out of a divot, it's going to be Tiger. Well, exactly. You know, there's no yeah. issue there. Get on with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, Tiger's obviously one of the big names that's missed the cut. Another one being Phil Mickelson. Hmm. What have you made of... Phil over the past couple of months, because you obviously did a fantastic piece with him earlier in the year for Golf Digest, where it was almost the the, the first layer of the onion getting peeled back. Yeah, well, you the, some the, comments.
1: The, the piece that I did with him, I mean, it was controversial and, you know, outspoken and all the rest of it and kind of opened our eyes to a few things, but it wasn't career ending. I mean, it, it was, you know, it was going to set off the debate, if you like. It was only when the his comments to Alan Shipnock in America appeared that basically Phil's life imploded. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think we really know everything that's going on behind the scenes with him at the moment. But talk of another book coming he, later this year, well, exposing some yeah. of the gambling stuff as Correct, well. Correct, so, yeah. And he's he's protesting, you know, that he's happy and all that, and life's great and all the rest of it. But he doesn't look... You can tell there's something going on. I mean, he's, his eyes are a bit of a giveaway, I think. I mean, he he doesn't, there's a lot going on, as I say, and not much of it's going well
0: for Phil right now. Agree. He looks spooked to me. Mm. I mean, I was obviously down at Centurion as you were for the first uh, Live event, and he didn't look comfortable. To be fair, though, he shouldn't have looked comfortable. That was his first big appearance. But ever since then, you know, anytime he's appeared publicly, and I include this week in that, he has looked... I don't know, haunted almost. Mm. His career deserves better. I mean,
1: if you just look at Phil Mickelson, golfer, I mean, he's he's clearly the second best American player of his generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, and vying for the second best player of any, I mean, with Ernie Else is the only other candidate that you could come up with for number two behind Tiger. And the end of Phil, which wouldn't have been anywhere, you know, anytime soon, I mean, he won the PGA. Just, what? Last year, so quickly months forgotten, isn't it? Exactly. So it's not as if he was a dud, and he was going to clean up on the champions tour if he wanted to play on the with the round bellies as Lee Trevino <laughs> calls them. And um, the silver circuit. It was a long way from done, and it, it's. It looks as if it might just be over already. I mean, in terms of competitive golf, I mean that the Live Golf stuff. I mean, you and I were both there, as you say, and I had a hard time caring. You know who won and who lost. It didn't just didn't
0: seem to matter. That's it. I was. I must admit, I, objectively, I enjoyed the first event because it was interesting. I wanted to see how it all panned well, out. Well, it's great for journalists. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, it was great stories. But but yeah. then it got to the second event, and I watched most of that Pumpkin Ridge. I watched it on YouTube. And i found it really hard to know what it all meant there's no context to it yeah you know, well when someone and, wins and a the, lot of money right? ah, and the like comment the commentary was just
1: you know i, I couldn't <laughs> begin to take it seriously it was the, these guys are being well
0: paid to say mm-hmm. what they're saying put it that way but look that, that's enough of, of live we're, we're here for the 150th open mm. unfortunately one man who won't be here for the final two rounds is mark calcabecchia the 1989 champ he is dead last on the yeah. leaderboard, which is a real shame to see. He shot rounds of 83 and 82, 21 over. And he's adrift at the bottom right now <laughs> by fully nine shots from another former champ, David yeah. Duval. This is Kalkovecchia's final appearance. So we shouldn't read anything. Not, it's not even that we shouldn't read too much. We shouldn't read anything into scores from mm. him. This has been about the opportunity to, to bow out like the, the great champion that he is. Mm. You'll have seen more of Cal Cabeca down the years than I have. Again. Well, yeah. I mean, he, he was known more for his short game than he was his long game. And, he,
1: and the, the the grooves, the ping grooves, he was the kind of poster boy for, for that back in the day. But wonderful from inside 100 yards. Beautiful touch he had. I do think he was slightly fortunate to be an Open champion. He won it at Troon in 1989 in a week of absolutely flat cam all four days kind of thing. And that was the only conditions that he was ever going to win an opening. And
0: one of the players he denied in that playoff was Greg Norman. There we yes exactly. go. Exactly.
1: Can you name the other one? Wayne Grady. Well done. You know, that's not bad for somebody your age. <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, everybody that wins the Open is deserving of a, a farewell. Mm-hmm. His body is done as well. Before I, I was listening to his uh, comments afterwards, and his knees are. Shot apparently, he's going to need an operation. So oh dear, I don't dear. think, and, and he didn't play last year because of physical issues. And the RNA were good enough to give him an extra year because he couldn't play last year. So You say everyone deserves a farewell. Does that include Mister Norman? Aye, well, that's a good point. Um I wish I hadn't said that. Now, <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I do think the, the RNA have been a wee bit petty here. Mm-hmm. I think they could have just suggested he didn't come and not tell anybody. Yeah and Phil Mickelson was the same yesterday I mean he revealed that the RNA had been in touch and kind of intimated that maybe it was better that you didn't come and he kind of took them at their word and just didn't yeah you know, that, that was for the, the champions dinner for <laughs> the, the dinner right? uh, yeah. and the four hole thing yeah. yeah I mean as I I wrote the other day that um, if the RNA had had a sense of humour of course they would have said to Greg Norman you, you can play the first three holes as a <laughs> shotgun start but that's
0: you done you have to come <laughs> off after that yeah Who knows how things will pan out? But yeah, I have have absolutely no doubt. There's not that even kind of feel. I have no doubt we have seen the last of Greg Norman at an Open Championship, which feels a little bit sad, doesn't it? Well, it is. I mean, you know, he he won two and could have won more. Should have won more. I
1: I can never get my head around whether it was he a great player or was he not. You look at how many tournaments he won and you think, well, he has to be a great player. But then you Mm -hmm. look at all the majors that he didn't win, where he should have won.
0: Would a great player have done all that? He was know? a Dustin Johnson of his era. A bit of a flat track yeah. bully. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. You know, yeah. one of the events that didn't matter at an impressive clip. Spent an awful mm-hmm. long time at the top of the world rankings. But it was Tom Watson, I think, who described him to me as Snakebit, which hmm. I thought was pretty apt. But yeah. Uh, yeah, strange times. Anyway, look, there is more to talk about and me and Huggy will be back right after this.
1: When we think speed, we think about speed-tuning every aspect of the new Rogue ST drivers.
0: Really? I just think about smashing it. When we think total power, we think of our tungsten speed cartridge. A what speed cartridge? I don't know, but I like what it does. When we think max distance, we think... of Oh, that's bomb!
1: With our fastest, most stable driver ever, there's only one thing you'll think about. Smoked it. Bombed. See ya. Think speed. Go Rogue with Callaway, the kings of distance
0: the moments the memories the chance to be there apply now for tickets for the 151st open royal liverpool 2023 head over to theopen.com ticket ballot closes on wednesday the 20th of july welcome back part two of today's open commute in association with callaway golf speaking of callaway you may have noticed that their players have been using a a rather brightly coloured staff bag this week. An incredible story behind it, the bag was designed by a local school pupil called Iona Turner. It's a phenomenal looking thing. It's a great story behind it. Iona won a, a competition and her bag was one of several that's featured around the town of St Andrews just now on what's called the Big Bag Trail. All of those bags are going to be going up for auction after the championship is over and all the money is going to great causes. Full details on that is going to be on the Bunkered website, so do go to Bunkered.co.uk and look for the Callaway bag story. There's a link in there as well in case you decide you want to bid for one of the bags, so do get involved. I'm joined, as I mentioned, by John Huggin, working this week for Golf Digest. Very busy man. Huggy, I want to look at a couple of other players on the leaderboard just now. One of them being Dustin Johnson we mentioned just before the break the the Greg Norman, if you like of this era it's kind of come out of nowhere this week he's currently sitting on nine under par. Are you surprised that Dustin has managed to put together this score?
1: nah, not really I mean he's capable of you know doing this at any time any place kind of thing he's hugely physically gifted I mean he he could have played any number of sports. You can just tell by the way he walks. He's like a gunslinger, the way he walks. I, I, I love watching that. Just, And he's he's fun to watch. Forget mm-hmm. all the other, you know, the, the live golf and all the other stuff that's hanging around him at the moment. But he's he's terrific. I, I'm always entertained with him. And you never quite know, as as you said, with, same as Greg Norman, you never quite know what's going to happen next. He's He's got two majors under his belt, but he could have
0: had six by now. Two feels probably too, too light to me. Mm-hmm. He feels yeah. like a, a four, maybe five-time... Yeah. the major champion would be mm-hmm. more fitting for, for what he's achieved in yeah. the game and and the way he won the US Open at, at Oakmont a few years ago when the
1: controversy over the did the ball move or did it <laughs> not I mean nobody else on the planet would have reacted like he did I mean he just kind of shrugged his shoulders <laughs> and got on with it everybody else would have been you know, a
0: panic attack do you think that's been part of the problem for him over the years everyone says that his easy demeanour is one of his greatest assets but if he looked like he cared a bit more would it would it help him? Well, I, I think he does care. I, I just think he doesn't look
1: as if he cares. Um, you can't play at this level and be the brain dead. You know, people have accused him of that. I mean, I, I don't believe that for a minute. I, and I think he's, for what, he might not have the the highest IQ on the planet, but I tell you what, he's an incredibly intelligent golfer.
0: Yes, yes. I you think Rody said
1: the same thing about Nobody him, shoots 68, 67 at St Andrews without having a good golfing brain between their
0: ears, and he it it wouldn't surprise me at all if he won this. Really? No, not at all, no. Rory McIlroy obviously bang in the mix just now (laughs) as we're looking at it. Rory is nine under. He's played 11 holes of his second round, so by the time you listen to this, who knows where he'll be, which is one of the great beauties of Rory McIlroy. It's one of the reasons that we were so fascinated by him. What were your expectations for Rory coming into the week, John? Well, I thought he would win it. I mean, but I, I've thought that a few times about Rory.
1: But on this golf course, I I can never understand how Rory could ever, on, under any circumstances, almost barring a, you know hurricane or whatever, go around this golf course in more than sixty nine, ever. I mean, he's it's, he's made for this place. In what way? Well, he's just. Because he drives it so well. I mean, it's not this place. Everybody thinks, oh, you can drive it anywhere at San That's absolute rubbish. There's a big difference between accurate driving and straight driving. And if you can hit it into the right spots on this golf course, that is 90% of the battle because mm-hmm. the second shots are going to be really easy. Mm-hmm. But if you're not in the right spot, then it you know, becomes quite difficult. And I think Rory's
0: better equipped to, to be that guy than anybody else in the field. Yeah, he's obviously I think got quite a good record round here as well. We he didn't play twenty fifteen because of the the football injury. Yeah, two thousand and ten. I mean, the sixty three was obviously a fantastic round. The eighty, I feel that like we can almost eradicate that because it was such a yeah. I mean, it a bizarre, bizarre set runner, really. of circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, if he would had Louis Oosthuizen's draw that year, R- Rory would have won it by fifteen shots. Do you believe that? No. Really? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Oosthuizen won it by what seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Rory would have won it by double. He'd, if he'd been off first or second off in the second morning when it was flat cam, he would have shoot 63 again. You know, there's 17 shots.
0: Yeah. Wouldn't so, be a bad 36-hole lead no, to hold, would it? Exactly. Yeah. But then he had obviously got his, pretty much, sewed up his European tour cards here when he turned professional. Did he not finish third in the Dunhill? Fourth, links? I think was. Fourth, was, was, was yeah. it? Yeah. Which was enough to set him on the way. And there he is. He's just rolled in. Another putt, as we're watching, that was uh, a birdie putt at 12 to move oh, yeah. to 10 under. So he is currently three shots back of Cam Smith and he still has six holes to go.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Rory excites me. I don't know if this is the same for you, but he excites me in a way that few other golfers do. He's flashy without really trying to be flashy. Yeah, Does that I make mean, sense? it's, it's like Sevy
1: was when I was growing up. I mean, I, I, loved, well, I loved Lee Trevino first, mm-hmm. then I loved <laughs> Seve, and now I love Rory. Only because all three of them—I mean—they're I mean, all different—but all three of them play the game that you think, "Oh man, I'd like to play the golf like that." Mm-hmm. Whereas you watch other guys and you, you just kind of shrug your shoulders. The you know the robot types—I mean—you yeah. can appreciate how good it is, but would you really want? Would that be the way that you'd want to play? I mean, it's—it was always you know in every sport it was Borg and McEnroe, and Roll, Higgins and Davis, yeah, and Seve and Faldo. Uh, you know which ones do you, the ones that you choose. Tell a lot about your own personality. I True.
0: Think. Yeah. So I, I can't say I ever wanted to be Nick Faldo when I was younger. No. Put well, it that
1: way. I yeah, was like Nick Price. Never mind Nick Faldo. <laughs> <You> know,
0: <so. laughs> Look, give me your thoughts on the the course, if you would, John. It's
1: an intelligent golf course. I mean, because it, it asks you questions, hard questions, but different questions almost every day. It's not just a case of well, that, there's where I hit it on the first fairway. There's where I hit it on the second fairway. It depends where the pin is. And if you move the pin, you know, five yards, on pretty much any green on St Andrews, that can make a sixty-yard difference in where you want your tee shot to be. And exactly, give you the best line in for your second shot, and that—that to me is the best part of it. It's—it's yeah. it's, it's a very very clever course. It certainly is. You mentioned some of the pin positions. Did you see the one on one oh, today? Yeah. Well, they were always going to do that. I mean. Sadly, a couple of paces on from the burn for those who didn't see it. You're edging into the ball's going too far territory here, but the. Oh, that's
0: only taken 24 uh, minutes. The only (laughs) way that they can keep
1: the scores up here is by doing that, is by sticking the pins away in corners, sadly. Well, Mm
0: -hmm. you're obviously a, a big rollback proponent. There has been talk for years that the governing bodies might do something, but. There's an intensifying talk that something's coming. We know yeah. that RNA and USG have been working on this Distance Insights project for some time. Two questions. What would you like to happen, and what do you think is going to happen?
1: Well, I think they're both the same thing. It's just a question of different timing. Um, I'd like to see it happen, you know, five years ago, ten years ago. <laughs> but And I think it's inevitable that it will happen because... A rollback, you mean? Yeah, a rollback. It has to, it has to happen because if you think to yourself... Where are these guys going to play in 10 years' time mm-hmm. when they're bigger and hitting it even further than they do now? I mean, you know, Augusta could be obsolete. And wh- and that that's the most annoying thing for me. The biggest victims in this whole thing are the golf, are the great golf, some of the great golf courses that we've got. And I always use Sunningdale as the example. Mm-hmm. One of the great golf courses anywhere in the world, which, tell me another sport that would obsolete a great venue like that because, the, to protect the
0: equipment. It's going to be interesting to see how they figure it out. I, I sometimes feel like it's just more exposed when we come to, for example, St Andrews. It, it feels like it's just a, a bigger deal then mm-hmm. than it is most other weeks of the year. Maybe that's a reflection of the courses that the, the tourists visit week in, week out. Well, some of them are, you know,
1: they, they look pretty much like the one last week and the one next week. For me, <laughs> there's plenty of exceptions, but as I say, I, mean, I, I, can, I will go to my grave not understanding why that we've protected the equipment at the expense of the venues rather than the other way around. Let's look
0: ahead to this weekend then, an exciting 36 holes in prospect, potentially more depending on how we finish up on Sunday night. Who do you see winning the, the Claret Jug? I know you, you said Rory at the start of the week. Now that we're halfway through just about, who do you see as the champion golfer of the year? Well, I still think Rory's going to win, but I tell you what, we dark horses, Tyrrell
1: Hatton. Isn't he
0: just? Yeah,
1: he's well. He's he's won Dunhill Links here, which is a completely different thing. I mean, totally different. He, he was funny today. I, I was listening to him when he finished. He shot sixty six in the second round, and he, he they were drawing the comparison between this week and the Dunhill Links. And he said that if the pin positions that they had today in the Dunhill Links the amateurs would take nine hours to go around, <laughs> which is probably about right. Because it's a very different animal, uh, as you so know. I mean, the course is softer anyway, and the pins are in the middle of the greens because you've got to get the, the, the hackers round in a decent <laughs> amount hackers. of time. That's probably the most polite word I've heard you Aye. use for them. Um, so it's very different. But I mean, it, there's still, a, it's a, the feel of winning at an St Andrews is something that mm-hmm. would give anybody a, a buzz. And I think he was looking pretty confident. Yeah. You can usually tell with him. You know, because he'll tell you if he's not feeling <laughs> confident.
0: <laughs> I always feel like Tyrrell plays his best stuff when he's a little bit pissed off as Aye. well. And there were a few yeah. instances today where the self chatter started yeah. and you can see he was getting exasperated. Yeah. But there's a line with him, and he touched on it again
1: earlier today. He said that, you know, that's his normal reaction to, uh-huh. to a bad shot. But it's only when he starts, when he crosses a certain line, does he start to actually hurt his performance. But. Mm. The, you know, the, the oh my goodness, you know, the arms going up, histrionics, like, the throne, the club goes down on the ground. I mean, that's nothing to him. Yeah, he's forgotten about that long before he gets to the next shot. Yes, so exactly. So, we, we make more of it than he does, I think,
0: unquestionably. Yeah. So, you think glory to win, Tyrrell
1: Hatton, Dark Horse, but I don't think Smith and Johnson are going to go away. Um, I'm not sure about Cameron Young, it might just get. Too much for him. And look, there's the Scotty Scheffler,
0: by the way. Yeah, he's, he's under there's par. a few
1: guys hanging around. Yeah, I Hovland, I like Hovland. He's not been playing great recently, but he's he's shown signs. And Fitzpatrick's,
0: you know, what a great he's, round from he's, him he's on do. the
1: edge of being too far away, but he's still the right side of that edge.
0: Yeah, he's six yeah. under par just now, yeah. the, the US Open champion. Mm-hmm. I know Billy Foster, he spoke on this podcast a few weeks ago, is desperate for a win round here. That's Aye. the one thing that he wants. Yeah. And he's only probably got a couple of years left in him, by his own admission. So mm. maybe it's this week or not at yeah. all. For, for and Philly. then, of course, there's Barclay Brown.
1: What a story. Yeah, I mean, th- I'm not that surprised. That, I mean, th- when you come to the Open and you get the top British amateurs, this is what they're very familiar with, because mm-hmm. they play all the top events, on just about all of them, on, on a Lynx. That's
0: true. So yeah. Lynx Golf is, is more familiar to them than than the top professionals. Yeah, Barclay Brown, English amateur, he is also six under par just now and currently in a tie for 12th. Mm -hmm. You're right, when you think back, geez, well, 2015, last time we were here, Paul Dunn had an incredible run at it. Even before that, 2005, Eric Ramsey Mm -hmm. and Lloyd Saltman obviously ended up with the the silver medal. Exactly. Before we go, I'm gonna ask you, obviously not for predictions, we've got that. I want to know though, in all the opens that you've covered, what is the one that stands out most and strongest in the memory?
1: Well, it's not one I covered. It's one I was just present at. If right, okay. okay. you can allow me to go there. That's fine, I'll allow it. It would be 1972 at Muirfield. Oh, really? I was 11 going on 12. <laughs> um, my birthday's in a couple of weeks, so um, I was just about to turn 12. And I witnessed firsthand two or three things that have stuck with me forever. Okay, go for it. Uh, I saw Tony Jacklin take six at the par three 13th. I can't remember if it was the second or the third round, and he ended up losing, you know, dramatically. Oh, back up the hill. Yeah, yeah. The, part, the wee par three. took a six, got in Oof. the bunker and couldn't get out. The other thing, the second thing is that, I, for reasons that still escape me, I went out and watched Bobby Locke play nine holes. Bobby Locke was well past his best in yeah. that one. He won the Open four times. Back in the day, but I watched him play the front nine at Muirfield, and he couldn't reach some of the par fours in two that the age he was at. But he shot 37 with 11 putts, oh and it was, it was a total education for somebody my age. 11 putts to watch somebody score as well as that without actually being able to reach some of the holes in two. Probably the most underrated Open champion oh, of all time. I isn't th- he? he was. I, I tell you what, this is maybe slightly controversial, but. I think he was better in the early 50s than Hogan and Sneed and Nelson. Really? They chased him out of America, you know, because he was too good for them. He was winning too often. That's exactly why they give him, you know, the heave-ho. He was better than those guys. We can't be having think that. Think about that. <laughs> Someone upstaging an American yeah. an American yeah. favourite at that. Yeah. And the last thing with Muirfield 72 was that I was standing by the green, the 17th green on the last day when Trevino chipped in for his, ber- for his par. To break Jacqueline's heart, and I saw Jacqueline do the the three putts after that. So mm. that, I mean, it's fifty years ago now, but that's still the open that sticks with me.
0: There you go. Maybe this will be the one that supersedes that, depending on what happens well, you in never know. the next couple of days. Yeah. That that is the great mystery and pleasure of this championship. Huggy, been an absolute delight having you on. Let's not leave it so long next time. Please come back sometime soon. We'll do. And yeah, to everyone listening, thank you very much indeed for your time. We're almost there. We're another day closer to knowing who's going to be the winner of the 150th Open Championship. Stay tuned to Bunker.co.uk for all of the latest updates as it happens. Stay across our social media. Until tomorrow, thanks very much for listening. Bye-bye for now.